Welcome back to Money Minutes for Doctors. I am your host, Christina McAteer, and once again, have the pleasure of welcoming our guest, Ms. Catherine. How are you today, Catherine? I am great, and really so happy to be here with you, Christy. Thanks for inviting me again. This month's podcast is going to focus on the tax law changes that were passed in late 2017. These were drastic changes to the tax laws that we haven't seen in a long time. So we're looking forward to Catherine's input to help us make it make sense. This is our best guess now, but kind of stay tuned because things are going to be changing. The IRS is going to be giving us more clarifications and there'll just be a lot more information down the road. So does that mean that there will be more changes to be made or does it just mean that we'll digest the information and better learn how to apply it? I think it's more about learning how to apply it. And then the IRS give us some explanations and more details on how they're planning to apply certain rules. So Catherine, tell us a little bit, what will be the biggest impacts to the physician community? Well, it's so interesting, Christy, because I swear some doctors think it's going to be tax Mageddon. You know, the world will be falling in on them tax-wise. And others think it's tax heaven. I suspect that whether it's tax Mageddon or tax heaven uh, may depend upon their political leanings. But we're going to set all that aside and just try to get down to the facts. Well, all right, Catherine, let's get started. But remember, keep it simple for us. We don't know a lot about tax laws. So here's the good news for doctors and dentists who own their own practices, particularly if they're what we call a C-corp, which is a certain kind of uh, business or tax entity. And these lucky doctors and dentists are going to see the elimination of the corporate alternative minimum tax, which calls, uh, which we call AMT for short. And really good news for them, they're going to see a reduced tax rate uh, down to 21%. It had been 35%. And these changes are going to be permanent. So good for them. That sounds like a definite win. A check mark for the box of tax heaven. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, uh, for physicians and dentists who are employees, and they're filing either individual returns or maybe jointly with their spouses, which in the industry we call married filing jointly, uh, the new rules are kind of a kind of a give and take. There's some cuts, there's some tweaks, there's some modifications, and I do think it's probably going to give us more complexity in the short run, um, but statistically, I don't know that it's going to have a gigantic increase in the amount of taxes that they're going to be taking. And the reason is some deductions have disappeared, but others have, have remained. So we'll go through kind of the pros and cons and the balancing act as we talked this morning. So it sounds like you're going to need a really good accountant to help you sort through all this new information. I totally think that's important this year in particular. It's possible going forward that some of the simplification, I'm using air quotes now, uh, will allow certain doctors to maybe file their own taxes. But I think this is not the year you want to do that. You really want to work with a really good, solid accountant. So how would one figure out if we'll be paying more, less, or perhaps no changes at all? Well, here's the kind of my rough rule of thumb. So just like the rest of the country, we're expecting about 80% of our physicians and dentists are going to get a modest tax cut. About 5% are expected to pay more, and the rest are going to be paying roughly the same. So I would say when it comes to physicians and dentists, maybe a little more than 5% are going to be paying a little bit more in taxes. Now, with that said, I recently ran some numbers for an anesthesiologist in Minnesota. He's making about $425,000 a year. He's got a house worth about $1.2 million. And I was convinced that he was going to be paying more in taxes. And when I ran the numbers for him, much to my shock, he was actually going to be paying about the same as he did last year. 
Well, I guess that's not the worst news you could get. No, I think we were all expecting he was going to be in that group that was going to have to be paying more. So I think in general, our clients are not going to know until your accountant actually runs some rough numbers for you. Now, what makes this more complex now, Christy, is to my knowledge, the tax software folks, there's numerous different companies out there that provide tax software for their accountants, that none of that has been updated yet. So it's really hard for an accountant to go in, uh, put your information in the software and figure out exactly where you're going to be. But hopefully that should be coming in the near future. Digesting all that new material does seem like it would be incredibly challenging for the accountants. How do they stay up to date? Well, they read the law. And I have a kind of a funny story because um, later this week, I'm doing webinar with an accounting firm just on the implications for physicians and dentists who own their own practice. And as I met with them in advance to try to uh, get this laid out, I said, you know, I've got some questions about the business rules and how they apply. And the lead accountant, she's been a CPA for 30 years, probably. She goes, well, Catherine, I've read the law seven times now and we still have questions. So if the, even the most experienced CPAs have questions, you can see it's going to take a while uh, for the dust to settle on this. So I guess that's what happens when so much information changes so quickly. Any tips to help us sort this out? Well, yes, but look, could I give you some framework first on some of the big changes? Because I think that might help uh, frame what you can actually do. Well, let me start with a couple of things. One of them was the brackets. So uh, the top rate on the federal bracket before was 39.6%. This was actually reduced to 37%. So let me explain a little bit about brackets. A lot of people think that all of their money is taxed at the top rate. That's not true. The first few dollars are taxed at a lower rate. The next few dollars are taxed a little bit higher, et cetera. So it's only dollars over a certain amount that you earn that would be taxed at the highest rate. So the good news is that, as I said, dropped 2.6% down to 37%. In addition, they also made the brackets bigger, which has the effect of more of your income being subject to less tax. And just to clarify, you're talking about the federal income tax brackets? Thank you. Yes, I should have said that. That is federal. Each of the states, of course, have got their own systems. Uh, the states that turn out to be the big winner, uh, big winners are the states that have no state income tax, like Tennessee, Texas, uh, Florida, and some others. We'll get to the, that in just a second. All right. What's the next big take-home point? The next one would be the standard deduction. So in general, you've got two ways you can go, Christy, when it comes to filing your taxes. You can take a standard deduction and or you can itemize deductions. And then whichever turns out to be highest is what you can do to reduce your tax bill. So the standard deduction under the new rules nearly doubles to $12,000 for single filers and up to $24,000 for married filers. And what's the result of this, Christy, is going to be fewer and fewer doctors are going to actually itemize. Um, in the past, the studies say about 30% of all Americans itemize. They expect it to only be about 10% going forward. So this will simplify the process for some taxpayers. And I think it's possible that some doctors, their taxes could be so simple in the future that they would not need to pay as much for tax prep fees or they might do that themselves. So just to make sure I understand, when you're filing your taxes, you can either choose to itemize or opt for the standard deduction. And now you're saying that the standard deduction rate has increased, so that has the potential to shift 
the number of filers who are opting for the standard deduction. So you get an automatic $24,000 deduction uh, that you can use to offset your taxes, no matter what other kind of itemized deductions that you may have. So I'll go through some of the itemized ones in just a minute, and you'll be able to see kind of the balancing act that you'll need to do. So actually, this is actually good news, because between the tax uh, brackets going down and the itemized deductions going up, a lot of doctors are going to be paying less. So it sounds like this is another checkbox for tax heaven. <laughs> so far, tax heaven may be winning, but I don't know. The tax Mageddon folks are, are going to come up in just a minute. All right. Tell us what we need to know next. All right. Well, one more um, for them, and we'll get to in just a sec, but the personal exemption. So the personal exemption, which is currently, or I should say was 4150 has been eliminated. So this is the amount of uh, money per person in a household that could be exempt from taxation. That was one of the things that was eliminated in order to get the $24,000 standard deduction. So that's probably in the, in the tax Mageddon category. Uh, but the last thing in the tax heaven piece is the child tax credit was actually doubled to $2,000. So when you add the child tax credit the um, increased standard deduction and the reduced tax rates, that's where the tax heaven people feel like they're going to be getting a reduction in their taxes. Okay. So let me just make sure I understand. That tax deduction was something that you could take just for filing? Exactly. And it had to do with how many people are in your household and so forth. Uh, it was, as I said, 4150 but that's been eliminated. And for that child tax exemption credit, that's something you can take for each child that lives in your home? Yes, be careful about uh, the use of the word exemption and credit. So in a credit, you get a dollar for dollar offset against your taxes. This is lovely. So if you've got, if you've got three kids, as you do in the McAteer household, um, you would get three times 2,000 or $6,000 that you could use to offset against the taxes deduction though, you deduct it from your income. So you really only get to reduce your uh, taxes by whatever your percentage of the taxes is. So if you had a, um, let's just say you had a uh, $10,000 exemption and your gross tax rate was 33%, that $10,000 would actually only be worth 33% of 10,000. All right, Catherine. So much of what you shared sounds like it's going to be a benefit for those of us who file taxes. Can you give us a heads up on what comes next? Great. Well, in the good news department, the charitable contributions remain roughly changed. They've gotten slightly better, so you can still deduct uh, contributions to your favorite uh, charity. Um, other good news is doctors who in the public service loan forgiveness programs uh, will not be impacted by this bill at all. That's extremely good news for them uh, because, as you know, for doctors who are carrying uh, heavy student loans, a lot of them are working for not-for-profits so that they can get their um, student debt forgiven at the end of 10 years. And one of the nice things about that program is when you have that debt forgiven, it's not considered a taxable event. And so I was concerned that they might actually make that debt uh being forgiven a taxable event. That did not happen. So that's very good news. That is certainly a big piece of good news. I know a lot of colleagues are enrolled in that program and anxiously awaiting that 10-year period to pass such that they can have relief from their educational debt. Absolutely. Uh, if I can get into some of the tax side of the table here, 
one of the biggest problems is those doctors that are in the highest taxed states are going to see the biggest hit. And the reason is there's now going to be a $10,000 cap on deducting state, local, and property taxes. They actually call this SALT, standing for state and local taxes. And this is especially hard on doctors who are in New York, New Jersey, California, Minnesota, Maryland, other very, very high tax states. So these doctors already have the burden of paying high state taxes, and now they're going to take another hit with the federal tax law changes? Oh, this part is honestly created probably one of the biggest uproars. So it was a very interesting concept that I had not ever considered. So if you take a state like Tennessee or Texas, both of these states have in their constitutions that it is illegal for the state to borrow money. So those lovely residents of Texas and Tennessee will never be in a state that's underwater uh, because it's it's illegal for the state to be able to, to do that. And as a result, they have no state income tax. Uh, but the issue, as I said, that I had never really considered was when you compare that to a state like California, it's got a top rate of 13% or New York that has state taxes and federal taxes that are quite high or Minnesota where I'm sitting today where taxes are almost 10% state in Minnesota. I'd never really considered the fact that the states of Texas, Tennessee, and others that um, were actually financing uh, residents of other states. So good news or bad news? I mean, people who live in the high-tax states are very unhappy about this, as you can imagine. Uh, we can still deduct our taxes in Minnesota. We can still deduct our real estate, but only up to this cap. Part of the pain with this cap is that it's not per person, it's actually per tax return or tax filer. So a couple that's married filing jointly will only get $10,000 that they can deduct. Or if you have a couple that's living together and they're they're not married and they're filing separately, they could each take this $10,000 deduction. That does sound like it has the potential to be painful for some filers. Would that mean potentially a mass exodus from some of these high-tax states? Well, actually, I, I do. And I was wondering if it isn't going to impact property values. Because when you get wealthy people in California and uh, New York, let's say, they may want to move to Florida where they don't have to pay this. And that, I think, could, could drive down the price of their homes if you see a mass exodus. What I'm hoping will happen is it'll bring some um, sanity into the state legislators of, of some of these states and that they might actually look at reducing state income taxes, which would be the fair thing to do. Now, I frankly think that's going to take years to see that. So it's just going to be an interesting thing for both of us to watch, Christy. It really is interesting to think about all the factors that offer you financial security. I'm reflecting on a case of a young graduate that may be from California and really want to get back home to be with their family, but perhaps the high taxes in those states really should make you think twice about where you locate. You've hit upon something that's really, really important. I had a neurologist I was meeting with last week and recently took a job in North Carolina. Literally spent a couple of years researching different states and where could you get nice housing at an inexpensive rate, low taxes, good environment. He went through all of these things and he found that economically, North Carolina was going to be the best place for him. And I thought that was a, one of the things you should be thinking about when you're job hunting. You make some excellent points, but I'm also thinking about a young graduate who perhaps gets settled in, finds a community, the kids get settled in and have a nice school, 
It seems pretty much impossible to theorize about relocating every time the tax laws change. Well, not not possible. But I think for doctors who are at their beginning of their career, it's a really good thing for them to think about. Absolutely. So I see here you want to talk about investments. There's been some changes to long-term capital gains. This, once again, tax heaven category is the long-term capital gains and dividends. All of those rules remain the same. So when you have a capital gains, just to refresh your memory, Christy, that's when you have an investment and um, you're investing your money into this investment, whatever it may be, could be real estate, could be uh, mutual funds, stocks, et cetera. It goes in after tax. And then when you sell it, there's a let's assume there's a profit. So you ha- you pay a capital gains tax on the profit. Capital gains taxes now federally are a 15% or 20% for higher brackets. And those st- stay the same. I thought that was good news. Um, and for a lot of our clients, we want to try to arrange their affairs so they have more long-term capital gains because that's going to be taxed at a lower rate than their ordinary income tax. That definitely sounds like a piece of good news. And hopefully all of our investors out there can get to a place where they have some investments with long-term capital gains. Absolutely. Next point you bring up is retirement accounts. Any changes there that we need to be aware of? Another good news, they, you are still allowed to deduct the contributions that you make to your pre-tax retirement account. So these would be things like your 401k, 403b at work. This to me is a big piece of good news. I often think about the security that one needs to have to be able to retire, and I do feel strongly that the government needs to incentivize people to do the right thing. So when I hear that the benefits of retirement savings remain intact, it makes me very happy. Yeah, well, good news. So far, our Congress agrees with you. So there you go. Excellent. What's next for us, Catherine? Well, alternative minimum tax. Now, this was the bane of doctors who made between about 150000 a year and 600000 a year. And as I mentioned before, you can do the standard deductions in the past, or you could do these itemized. We'd have doctors with lovely, wonderful itemized deductions, and then the, uh, the tax rules were such that went, oh, no, Christy, um, sure, you can itemize your deductions, but only up to a certain point, because we're going to make you Pay the minimum. I always thought about it like the game of Monopoly. You can't pass go and you can't collect $200, which is kind of what AMT is about. So they did not eliminate AMT, alternative minimum tax for individuals. I was hoping they would. They did not. But because the exemptions have been widened and the brackets have been reduced, I think it's going to be much less of a problem for doctors going forward. One other thing I should mention is because most of our doctors fall in that 150 to 600,000 a year in income. In the past, they were hit with alternative minimum tax. And because of that, I think that the new SALT exemptions are not really going to impact them. So in other words, they were paying more anyway last year because they ran up against this alternative minimum tax. So I suspect that the SALT exemptions are not going to impact them in a big way. But once again, we'll see once we get the tax software out and can actually crunch the numbers. So stay tuned on that one, it sounds like. Exactly. How about estate taxes? Any changes there? Yeah, some more good news there on the tax heaven side. The exemption has been doubled um, up to 11.2 million for individuals, 22.4 million for couples. What that means, Christy, is that you could have an estate worth up to uh, 22.4 million for you and your husband, and you could pass it to your kids without any 
federal estate tax. That's the good news. Uh, in the bad news, we have some states, Minnesota, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, that have extremely low thresholds for estate tax. And you have to continue to do estate planning because you could be running into state estate tax. So this morning, I'm going to be meeting with couple of doctors from Massachusetts, and we're going to be talking about their um, estate plan. And I was just refreshing myself on the rules. Massachusetts, if your estate is between $0 and 50000 you still have to pay 5%. Your heirs do on that. And when you get to 600000 you have a base of 35000 11% on the amount over 400000 So what happens is when we get clients, particularly young clients, they have term insurance policies of $2 million, $3 million. If you're in some of these states, your kids are not going to be inheriting all $2 million, $3 million, or $4 million. They may be subject to state estate tax. So I would strongly encourage clients to work with their estate planning attorney or give us a call and we can kind of talk through some alternatives there. Once again, you should know, Christy, that estate tax is entirely voluntary. By that, I mean there are things that you can do to avoid it. That's some good news then. Yes, exactly. Once again, probably a topic for another Money Minutes. So as we think about all this new material, Catherine, what are the pros and pitfalls that you want us to take home today? Well, a couple of things. First of all, Christy, I know people worry about the stock market and how the market's doing. Is it up, down, or is it sideways? But I tell clients over and over, the taxes that you pay today and the taxes that you pay in the future are going to have a far bigger impact on your personal security than any changes in the stock market. So it's very important that people take tax and certainly your accountant early this year, do not wait uh, until the last minute. And the reason is you want them to help you be planning your affairs this year to take advantage of the new tax code so that you would pay less next year. And the uh, final thought is there are a lot of tax advantages to having a side business, which is something I want to talk about in our next podcast. For doctors, these are doctors that have got moonlighting, 1099 income. They may be they may own their own practice. And there's uh, many, many tax advantages for them under the new tax laws. And we should talk about those at a future time. So much more to come. Certainly more on the tax law changes, student loan repayment, tax-efficient investing, and many others that Catherine will get us up to speed on. Once again, Catherine, thank you so much for your time. We really enjoyed speaking with you, and we look forward to doing it once again next month. Thanks so much, Christy. I look forward to seeing you then.